to be a dad to have beef jerky. Uh, so we want you to grab some beef jerky on your way out if you didn't grab some on your, on your way in. And if you didn't get anything for your dad, you know, we're looking out for you. If you didn't get anything for your father, give him a little packet of beef jerky and, uh, and he'll love that. We're in this sermon series, we're talking about Psalms, and there's so many great songs within the Psalms that there was this, I, I figured I'd share with you guys, there was a song that my dad used to sing, because songs evoke so many different emotions for us. They give us memories, you know, all, all those kinds of things. So my dad kind of made up his own little adaptation of the Captain Kangaroo theme song, and I know some of you are like, I have no clue what that even is. What is a Captain Kangaroo? You can YouTube it. Uh, you're welcome for that. But it, it would go something, good morning, Captain, why don't you come out and play? It's gonna be a bright, sunshiny day. And he would sing that to me. He would come into my room as I was kid. Apparently, I was really excited about that as a kid. I, I think I would feel a little bit differently if he came in my room and sang that now as an adult to wake me up. I, I'm not sure. Uh, so many different memories of that. I've even sung it to my kids a couple times. I'm like, Dad, what, what are you doing? I, I don't get this. But, but maybe hear a couple other more popular songs that evoke some emotion for you, okay? So, so maybe you recognize this one. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. All right, so you guys know, maybe not as excited about that one. I'm not sure why the reaction is different. I, well, let me give you a note. Maybe that's too old. So let me give you a more recent one, okay? Maybe evoke some emotion for you. <clears throat> Got to get ready. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Is that a little bit different than how you normally experience that song? I don't songs, songs aren't just meant, like, they're not just about the words, right? I mean, it, the words are important, but they're, they're meant to be felt. They're meant to be experienced. And the reason we write songs and the reason we put them to music is because they express feelings and experiences and emotions and memories in a very specific, meaning we, meaningful way for us. And when we, approach, when we experience them in a monotone way, it's just lame. I mean, it's just terrible. Now, uh, if you guys want to hear me sing Let It Go, like full out, um, that's a little bit... No, that's a private house concert. I'll let you get with my manager. Um, don't know if you'll be able to afford it, but, uh, but willing, willing, willing to do that. Um, you know, we've got this, this book, this huge book, 150 Psalms in the middle of, of the Bible. And sometimes I, I think we can read through those things and recognize that, oh, there's some, there's some powerful words in there, but maybe we kind of we read through them in a monotone way. Like they're, they're just kind of there that, you know, somebody wrote these words and it's fine. But actually there's a whole huge depth of feeling and emotion and, and human life experience behind those words, things that we experience all the time. And as we read through these things, they're meant to be felt. And, and the thing that, um, the reason why it feels so wrong to read song lyrics in a monotone way is because we know that those emotions are real. And we know that they evoke things that we know we're supposed to experience. Like sometimes songs are really happy-go-lucky, and that's great. Sometimes uh, they're not so much about happy, happy stuff. And maybe the messaging isn't, isn't all that great. And yet 
they're part of the human experience, things that are real that we actually go through. Life has a rhythm. And songs bring us back to an era, a season, an event, a relationship, a trip, whatever it is. And sometimes they evoke despair, joy, hope, doubt, loneliness, love, sorrow, regret, all, all kinds of things. Well, our spiritual lives have, have a rhythm as well. And there's a rhythm in which we are invited to engage as God moves and works in the world around us. And the Psalms are a reminder that God is the constant in all of those things. So throughout all the ups and downs in life, through all the things that we experience in life, God, God is the constant. He's a foundation who's always there through, through, uh, through the midst of those emotions. And he is the one who keeps us in rhythm with him and the life that he's created. The Psalms are inspired by God and for us to read, learn, and engage. Um, they remind us of who God is. And, and I share all that because I just want to prepare you for the fact that the psalm that we're looking at this morning is not the happy-go-lucky kind. All right, so we're going to be in Psalm chapter 42 if you want to turn your Bibles to that. But Psalm chapter 42 is mostly about the downs. Uh, it's written by the sons of Korah. This is a choir of Levites that were appointed to kind of lead praise, music, worship in the temple. Uh, they're kind of like the original boy band or a gospel quartet for some of you, maybe uh, think of it that way. So they kind of paved the way for groups like Jackson 5. No? Okay. Boys to men? Are we in sync? Okay, I, I appreciate that, that reaction the best, okay, I, I think. Uh, we're not sure if they had any choreographed moves or not. That may have come about a thousand years later in the New Testament with Peter, Paul, and Mary. Is that? It's Father's Day. There have to be dad jokes. That, and I know that was kind of like a deep cut and maybe a little too old, uh, but that's all right. You can look up Peter, Paul, and Mary later. Um, but here's the thing. The tone of the psalm is kind of dark. There's discouragement, there's turmoil, and despair. But when we read it, we don't read it in monotone. Uh, we read it because we've been here too. And it, well, if you haven't, you will at some point in your life. And the reason why we don't experience these things and we don't sing songs in monotone is because we know that there's, there's a reason why we're not supposed to be left in that moment. We talk about these emotions and we sing them and we experience them because we know that, especially when we're talking about things like discouragement and despair, um, that there is something better out there. And so much of the emotion and feeling that we put into those songs is representative of that thing that we know that's better, that's out there somewhere, that, that should be reachable and, and attainable. Sometimes um, we go through life, and, and, and maybe you kind of read Psalm 42 as, as we're going, going to in a minute, and you, maybe you think, why in the world is this in the Bible? Like, who wants to focus on the negative stuff? I, I don't know. It's, it's like listening to songs that are just depressing. Like why, why do you, sometimes you just need 15 minutes though to mourn, you know, and, and so you put on a song and you just cry for 15 minutes and that's, that's great. That's, that's good and, and healthy for you. Well, it's in the Bible because it's stuff that we actually experience and go through. And there's, there's answers to some of the questions that we have as a result. Sometimes we experience discouragement and that discouragement turns into despair, which turns into depression. And we wonder like, where is the way out of this? And so the Bible actually deals with those things. Sometimes those things make us lean more on God, but maybe for some of us more often it makes us turn away from him. And Psalm 42 um, helps us to deal with those things in a healthy way. Discouragement has a habit of overshadowing that there's hope for something else. 
Like I mentioned before, if there was no hope, if we didn't believe that something better was possible or available, we would just react in monotone in life with no feeling if we had no expectation that anything else could be possible. And those things turn into despair when we lack faith that God can reshape the course of our lives to ensure that holding on to hope with him will be more than enough. So let's start off with the first couple of verses of Psalm chapter 42. This may sound familiar to you, especially if you grew up in church in the 90s. As the deer pants for streams of water, some of you are like, wait, shouldn't that be panteth? As the deer panteth? Yes. Uh, so my soul panteth for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So if you remember, as the deer panteth for the water, uh, if you remember that song, that, this, that's a lot more happy-go-lucky than the rest of Psalm chapter 42. So I just want to prepare you for that. I don't know if you've ever pantithed before in your life, maybe been a little dehydrated. I don't know what you go for. I know as a kid when we grew up, and some, a lot of times this is when we were sick, a little de- dehydrated, maybe we'd been you know, dealing with nausea and the things that come with that. We, my mom would, would get us ginger ale. So ginger ale was a thing. So I have, even as an adult, I kind of equate that with feeling better when I'm sick and dehydrated and need something, something to drink. And there are times, I mean, we just don't buy soda, uh, hardly ever. And we don't always just have ginger ale sitting around the house. And so there have been plenty of times where I've been sick or we've been sick, and I'm like, man, all I want, all I need right now is a ginger ale. Well, we don't have that. And, and I don't know when we can get that, right? Especially when we're, like, the entire family is sick and we can't go anywhere. There have been moments like that, and I'm like, I will never get well because I cannot have ginger ale, you know? <laughs> so there have been moments where I have certainly, uh, you know, panteth for uh, ginger ale. Um, but, you know, we get this imagery of this deer panting for water. And uh, the interesting situation that you would, well, it's not really an interesting situation, but if you think about the imagery of that, it's like, when is a deer panting for water? Um, Well, not when when life is going great and everything's the way it should be. It's when they're being hounded and chased and hunted out of their natural environment. It's when they've been on the run. It's when they've been harassed. That's, That's when a deer pants for water. And so the psalmist is talking about thirsting for the living God. Um, in, in this moment in his life, he's likely in a, an environment that he's, he's surrounded by despair, where he doesn't feel like he has any kind of access to God in that moment. However, he recognizing that he's recognizing that the longing that he has in his soul and in the innermost part of his being is for God. And at the core, what he's identifying is is all the things that maybe cause us despair, all of the negative things that happen in our life, what we really need isn't ginger ale. What we really need is God's presence. And so as we think about some of the things that we long for, some of the things that we desire, you know, maybe we think we need, I just need more rest. I just need more time to sleep. Or I need more money. Or I need more vacation or I need more success, or I need more health, or I need more significant other, or I need more peace, or just more, more, or just something bigger and newer. Um, we, we miss that what our soul actually needs it is, a, is a desire for God. When we, when we lead with this desire from the rhythm of our soul, our conclusion is that, God, I want you more than anything else. And, and really, truth be told, we already have that need within us. It's more about us recognizing that that's what it is. That's the thing that we're looking for, despite looking for the solution in so many other things in life. And this heart of the songwriter starts off with, God, I'm in this place of desperation, and I recognize that I need you. 
So we learn through the Psalms, and, and so many of them, the ones that aren't just happy-go-lucky, that what we need to do in those moments of despair is to turn toward God. Then all the feelings and emotions that we have, the, the only actual constant in that moment, in those places, is God. And so throughout this psalm, we're going to see question after question about, God, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening in our, in our life? Um, and yet the psalmist continues to turn back to, all right, God, I just need to be wherever you are. And so the sons of Korah continue on in, in Psalm chapter 42, verse 3. And here's what they write. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Um, the, the sons of Korah, the author of the song, they probably found themselves in a position like the Israelites did many times of the course of their nation's history as God has established them and their people separated from temple worship, separated from their, their place. I mean, uh, there's so many times the Israelites had not turned toward God, did not keep God as the constant in their life, and the result of that is oppression. I mean, that, that's, that's what happens. Despair comes because they didn't follow him consistently. So they say, oh, God, this is great. You gave us this place to be. That's, that's cool. Well, we kind of want to be like everybody else. Well, then they got the same consequences as everybody else. And so there were times throughout their history that they would find themselves cut off from temple worship. They were occupy, had an occupying force. Sometimes they were moved out of where they were supposed to live. And so it's very likely the author found themselves like this, completely cut off from their identity, completely cut off from their purpose, especially someone who's supposed to be leading this worship in the temple. And so they're talking about this great moment of despair in their life that they can't be who God has created them to be, and they feel cut off from the presence of the living God. He's even being taunted for the condition of his life as evidence that God has abandoned him. And what we see in response here is just honesty with God in this moment of moving through despair. The author doesn't ignore it, nor does the author overplay this either, but there's a calm resolve to deal with what we're experiencing head on. And, and one of the things that... Um, this psalm teaches us is not only do we need to recognize that our, our need, our desire is for God's presence, but we also need to acknowledge what despair is overshadowing our hope and our ability to recognize we are in God's presence. Some of us are going through despair right now. And, and I just want to let you know, because I've had enough conversations with people um, that, I, that I know that somehow this, this message has not always gotten across in the way that we've grown up in the church or, or maybe we haven't grown up in the church at all and just don't recognize we have permission for this. But it's okay to be honest with God in those moments. When, when we're going through despair, when we have questions, God can handle that. And he is totally okay with us asking those questions and coming to him in those moments and say, God, I'm just not feeling it. I need your presence. I'm not sure what's going on here. I feel separate from you. 
The psalmist is open and honest with God. He's not belligerent towards God, but he's honest and direct. And it's all in the context of his desire for God. If anything, we learn through the psalms that we don't have to stuff our emotions down. We can express them openly and honestly to God. Side note, dads, if you want to be a good father, um, this is a good lesson for you to learn here in this moment. It's okay to ask God and say, hey, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm struggling with this. I don't understand why my health is in this place. I don't understand why my job is going this way. I don't understand why I feel like I'm broken inside. I mean, life as this, this guy knew it, who was writing Psalm chapter 42, worship as he knew it, his livelihood as he knew it, knew it, seemed completely out of reach. And even though he felt far from God, even though he's depressed and in despair, he approaches God honestly. So many questions. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? People say, where's your God? Where's your God? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? But in the midst of all of that, um, I skipped a couple verses on purpose. Skip verse 5 right in the middle of the text. Skip verse 11 at the very end of the text. In fact, we see the same verse in Psalm chapter 43. Psalm chapter 43, there are quite a few Hebrew texts that actually combine these psalms into one because they have the same chorus and the same refrain. And here's what those say. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God. There's another old school song put to this. Why so downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in God. In our despair, we can move towards God, honestly seeking him in his will, because we know that that desire within us for something better on the other side is evidence that there's something better for us to expect. It's just that God is the only one who can provide that. It's not anybody else. It's not anything else. It's not any material possession or no, no feeling that we're chasing. It is God who can produce those things. He is the only thing that is constant. And God wants us to come to him because he's been the one who's been there all along. I know there are times when we don't feel it, but even then we need to know it. And that's what this psalmist holds on to in the midst of his despair, in the midst of his separation from purpose and meaning and his desires. He knows that ultimately God is still there and hope is still constant. This is the truth of it all, the answer to the questions. That in our pain, our struggle, our brokenness, our weakness, our weakness, our turmoil, our despair, that God is there. I know, I know we have this question like, well, why? Specifically, could you outline why all these things are happening in this way for me to despair in this moment? Um, I don't know that we can handle the answers to that, first of all. But what God does promise is that, hey, there's a reason to have hope because I've got this. And I will be here constantly all the way through. The reason why this matters to us as disciples of Jesus is because the Bible never says anywhere that following Jesus is easy. Or that life, all of a sudden, you, you get baptized and your life has changed. you got the Holy Spirit. Man, things are going to be great. You're never going to feel despair. You're never going to suffer at all. You're never going to feel depressed. Like all of those kinds of things because oh, you got faith and so everything's amazing and happy-go-lucky and it's all cool and copacetic. It doesn't necessarily happen that way. But what we do know and what we do have faith in is that even when we're in the midst of those emotions and feelings and despairs, that there's always hope in the end. And when our desire is for God and now not for all the other myriad of things that we replace God with, when despair hits, we can still declare our hope in him. The Bible readily acknowledges that life is out of rhythm. 
It's, it's sin, sin broke the rhythm. And the beat of faith is not about ignoring this, but acknowledging it and moving with the one who has the timing down. And making uh, declarations of hope are really easy when things are good. Oh, man, life, God's giving me everything I want. Man, he's great. Like, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. This is amazing. It's when things are difficult and we are despairing, that's when we need to make a declaration. That's where we need to draw a line of faith in the sand and pray a repeatable refrain that is a reminder of what's ultimately true. This, this psalm starts off with this idea of, uh, you know, pantathing for water. And I'm not sure, um, you know, we have such ready access to clean drinking water. I, I don't know if we really uh, capture in our minds what that actually feels like. Uh, there will forever be an image burned in my mind uh, when I was in Ghana for a mission trip that we had a rest day at a, um, at a, a, at a spot where uh, we got up one morning and it was sunrise and it was amazing, you know, beautiful setting, and we just see a long line of people, mostly women, walking towards the area where we were. Um, they were villagers from a few miles away who were coming to clean water. They were coming to the well, and they did this every day. So this was not like a, oh, I need to go walk and get my water for the week, but they had this commitment to come, you know, get jugs full of water and carry it miles back to their home so they could have access to clean drinking water and cooking water and all of those, those kinds of things. Um, just, you just think about that. You don't get a day off from that. You wake up one morning, and you're like, ah, I'm not feeling it. You know, I don't, I don't, eh, I, I'll, uh, I'll wait, I'll wait till, you know, a couple days from now. No, you have to get up. Ah, I'm not, you know, my stomach's kind of bothering me. Ah, I want to sleep in this morning. No, there's none of that. No, you have to, if, if you want to survive, you have to come to the source and get that water every single day, regardless of how you're feeling, regardless of how well your job back home is going, regardless of how well, you know, family stuff is happening, regardless of, of, of uh, you know, how well you're, you're feeling emotionally about where your life is in that moment. No, you've got to keep going because there's going to be, especially if you don't have any water, there's going to be an ache, a deep need in your life, a deep thirst for that water. And when it comes to our lives and how we move through despair and we deal with the part, the longing and ache in our soul when life isn't right and the satisfaction we need, we need to keep pressing on to the one constant in our life that provides the source of water that, that we need. God provides the solution is already prepared for us if we would be willing to move toward the source. There's a declaration there that we're going to move toward God no matter what, just like those people were moving from their village to their source of clean water in their life each and every day. Scripture describes Jesus as the living water, and he is the only thing that can quench our thirst when we find ourselves in these moments of desperation and despair. It's John chapter 7, verse 37 um, through 39 describes Jesus in this way, that our desire innately that we feel in our life deep down is for Jesus. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, has rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Our deepest longings, needs, and desires are not only found in Jesus, but filled in the ongoing of the presence of the Holy Spirit as disciples of Jesus. And in our despair... 
we can recognize the fact that, hey, one of the reasons we have hope is that Jesus has been there and he's done that and he's dealt with that and, and he's still come out on top and he still is the source of living water. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so you consider the, the perspective of this temple worshiper, this worship leader in Psalm chapter 42 and 43, who, um, in light of what Jesus has experienced on our behalf, it's like as we're writing these words and we're feeling these emotions, we know we're not alone. We serve a God who has been there and done that. And then we can declare as a result of these things that we have hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the gospel message, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen, I could tell you right now, I know the things that cause me despair in my life. I can make a list. for This is not group therapy, so I'm not going to. But, but I know what those things are, and, and I, think, I think you do too, but, but maybe you don't take the time to actually deal with those things head on. Maybe the, some of those things dictate more of what's going on in your life rather than you, you dealing with them head on. I think many of us have experiences, conversations that cause a sense in which that because we believe in God, because we have hope through, through our faith in him, that you know, those feelings are meant to be pushed down and, and put to the side. It's like, no, those don't belong here, and so we're going to put them over here and suppress them um, and push them down and move on or just have more faith. But they're still there and leaving us feeling spiritually dehydrated in those moments. The example the psalmist gives here is not one of suppression, nor is it one of staying in or wallowing in depression. Instead, the despair is identified. It is contextualized within our ultimate desire being God. And as a result of that desire, we can declare hope. Because we know that, that even in the gospel, we see Jesus' death, his burial, and what follows that is resurrection. Like that, that is the good news, is that there's always resurrection and there's always hope. If we do not approach life in this way, our desires become defined by our despairs because what we place our hope in will not be able to fulfill what we want them to when that hope is not placed in God. Only Jesus can provide living water from which we will never be thirsty. There's this really stupid, really dumb, dystopian future movie that was made, um, maybe it's 20 years ago now, or something like that. And, and I'll just, I'm not even going to tell you the movie, name of the movie because it's dumb, it's atrocious. Um, but in the future, um, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, everybody's going to be smarter. This one is, is the opposite. It's like, no, everybody's going to be dumber. And I think we can see that's probably the right one <laughs> if we're going to dystopian future-wise. Well, they had gotten to the point where um, they didn't use water for everything because water doesn't have electrolytes. And electrolytes is what we need, right? So, we, so basically they use Gatorade. They didn't call it that because you can't, you know, they get the marketing or whatever. So it's called Brondo. Um, it's got electrolytes. Well, uh, so you go to a water fountain, you know, you get a drink, you need some water, you know, oh, man, I just want some water, Gatorade. Like, that's what it is. They're also watering plants with Gatorade because it's got electrolytes. And that, uh, of course, that's what everybody in plants, plants needs. So, um, so this guy who ends up getting frozen and he wakes up like 500 years later, he wakes up and he's like, uh, where's the water for the plants? And they're like, 
water doesn't have electrolytes, and that's what plants crave. And he's like, actually, you should probably pour some water on it, and maybe the plants will grow. Um, you can guess what happens. They, they pour some water on it, and the plants grow. And sorry for spoiling the end of the, end of the movie. Um, saves humanity by convincing them to use actual water to grow crops. Just so you know, um, there's a lot of obsession in our culture, in our society, with Brondo. Um, with with thirst quenching, you know, satisfaction, the desires and needs and wants that we have to be fulfilled by everything else but the one thing that would all actually cause healthy growth in, in our life. And, and that's anything but God. I mean, it's just anything but God. God is the source. Jesus is the living water. And so I, I just want to encourage you to to uh, if, if you are moving through a period of despair in your life right now, or if you know one's coming in the future, I, w- I want to encourage you this week to write out what that is. It's to deal with it head on. And, and to put it on paper, or type it on your phone, or what, uh, you know, however you want to do it, is actually to write, write it out and see it and acknowledge it. And when you do that, and when you ask your questions of God, and when you ask yourself what desire am I pursuing out of this despair? I, I think you're going to find yourself seeing things in a completely different perspective. And I think that's why the psalmist writes. And I think that's why we put music to these lyrics and these words. is because they help us to deal with those emotions head on. And to ultimately come to a place where we understand that there is hope fulfilled despite those things. And so I want to encourage you to write out what your despair is, which way, how you're desiring God in that moment, which way you're running when that despair hits, and write out how God provides hope despite that despair. Songs may feel less impactful without the music, but you can feel Psalm chapter 42 and Psalm chapter 43, the outpouring of the heart, the desire, the despair, and the declaration that God is the only constant hope through it all. When our desire is for God, When despair hits, we can still declare our hope in him. Let's pray. God, this morning as a congregation, we come and just declare our hope is in you. There is is no no other thing that's satisfied. You are living water. That Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is, is the good news, is the hope that we hold on to, whether we're in the death or the burial part in our life. God, help us to live not, not within, stuck in our despair, but in the hope that you have for us, despite the things that happen in our life. God, thank you for your provision in our life, that this is not where we have to stay, that we don't stay in Psalm chapter 42 in the verses, but we get to sing the chorus that, that our hope is in you. God, we praise you for that. We honor you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.